0: His government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
1: Good afternoon. good afternoon afternoon. hey there we go it is a joy to be with you if you do not know who I am I am Cody and I have the joy of serving as the pastor of Harvest Plains Church and uh, truly I I think it's just so great to get our two churches together Uh, a little bit of backstory for how some of this came together Uh, I have known Jeremy Martinson and Jeremy Archer and Dan Holder for some years now. I know the day I met Jeremy Archer because he picked me up from the airport for a church planting conference at River City that was going on a few years back. Jeremy Martinson I met just after we got to the building uh, from the airport. And I can't remember if I met Dan before or after. I'm sorry, Dan. I hope no offense taken. Um, but it is such a joy to do ministry not only near these men, but truly I feel with these men. And uh, you know, I, and I know that Harvest Plains Church feels the same way. All the saints there are so thankful for this church and the ministry that goes on. So how fitting it was that we celebrate Christmas this year together when Jeremy called me up and invited us to participate and kind of said, you know, it, it would be kind of like an away game for you, maybe a home game for you next year. Uh, I said that's cool. We can do that. So uh, here's where we're headed this evening. Uh, As I stand before you, uh, what I'm going to help us do is just reflect on the reality of Christ being born of a virgin and entering the world as a baby. And then we'll have another time of reflection and meditation as another individual comes up here. And he's going to help us to think about The reality of God sending his son into the world. So that's how we're trying to kind of spend our reflections this evening. Uh, That said, to begin our time of meditation, I want to first read from Luke chapter one, verse 43. Little background here. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And she has decided to visit her Aunt Elizabeth. She is likely doing this in order to go to a safe space. We don't know how far along she's, she is in the pregnancy. It's probably very early on. Maybe she's showing, maybe she's not. Nonetheless, word's going to get out pretty soon. And she's going to go spend some time among some friends who, of course, know what's going on, can believe her when she tells him what's going on. And, uh, and so here she is. When she visits her aunt Elizabeth, interestingly, Elizabeth is also pregnant. She is six months along, but with John the Baptist. But as Mary enters Elizabeth's home and greets her, here is how Elizabeth responds. She says, And why is this granted to me That the mother of my Lord should come to me. So Elizabeth says of Jesus, while he is still in the womb, think of this, that he is my Lord, my Lord. Okay, now think about that, because when is the last time you have ever heard someone say something like that of an unborn child? Come on, never, right? Let's hope not, unless they're speaking of Jesus, right? I mean, this would be the most absurd thing for someone to say. And naturally, you might even respond, I know I would respond this way, by saying, well, what do you mean? How is that even possible? I mean, consider the fact that like, Really, I mean, if if, if someone is another person's master, actually, aren't you more his master than he is yours, in a certain sense? I mean, after all, he is completely, utterly dependent on everyone else, particularly Mary, right, more than anyone. She feeds him. She clothes him. She washes him. She protects him. So how can it be possible that Elizabeth, in a right mind, can say that he is her Lord? After all, none of those things I just mentioned sound very Lord-like to me. They are certainly no display of power, no display of authority, no display of might, are they? But you see, this is the mystery that we're all caught up in at this time of the year, isn't it? because there's, there's really not a, a mental category where this fits for us. And you know what, that's okay, because it's a miracle. It's a total miracle, unexplainable by anything else. A miracle to bring God glory, a, a miracle to put him on display, a miracle certainly to communicate something about who he is. And how he cares for those in this world. And to kind of reflect on the fact that there's no mental category for us to fit this into. I mean, just think of it this way. I mean, because of, if really, if it were up to us, that is to say, bring peace end all suffering and usher in a world of perfect righteousness, how would we do it? Nothing like this. As you think about that, I I can think of how I would probably go about it. Maybe you would do the same. It's been time-tested and proven that this is just how all people do it. Their approach is something like the following... It is to build a military with the most sophisticated most sophisticated, and powerful weapons known to man, train soldiers and equip them with the greatest armor, and then send them out to beat the bad guys. And then when you have victory, of course, what you do next is set up a government with the most just and most good laws that you could establish. In contrast, though, How does God do it? Nothing like this. Because he sends one person, not an army. And this person, of all ways, as a baby, not an adult, not a fully trained soldier with all the armor, and even sends him to a very unlikely family and an unlikely place, Mary and Joseph in Nazareth to a family that wasn't rich, wasn't famous, wasn't influential, and wasn't highly educated. And we might ask at this point, why do it that way? Well, certainly a lot of reasons could be given, but I'd like to provide you with just two this evening. First, certainly it was done to fulfill the prophecies that were given all throughout the Old Testament of how the Messiah must come. We're told in the Old Testament that the Messiah must be born of a virgin. He must come from a woman. But the other reason that I think we rightly dwell on, just as much as this, and maybe even more at this time of the year, and is probably the most inspiring to us, is this, to display the tenderness, the humility, and the kindness of God. For a moment, I want you to think on this as I read for us from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. So Paul writes to encourage Christians to humble themselves in caring for others. But as he does, what is the basis for his encouragement? He provides two pictures here of Christ's humility. One, of course, is Jesus' death on the cross. But what is the other? Being born in the likeness of men. And truly, this is humbling. Everything about it. I mean, just reflect on the details. Obviously, I've already just mentioned that, first of all, Jesus comes to a poor family, not a rich one. But think of the other details. He's born in a stable, not a palace. He is laid in a feeding trough, not a crib. He is expected in the east, but not in Jerusalem, where it was always expected that the king of Israel would be He is a blessing to the world, but not to Herod. And for this reason, as we know, there's a target on his back from the moment he enters the world. There's no banquet, no festival, no great celebration to say the least. A few shepherds and wise men from the east. And I dare say just the noise of animals and the smell of manure. (laughs) Again, not exactly the entrance one would expect for a king, but this is how God does it. And I hope that during this Christmas time that your heart leaps with joy because the message from God is clear. He is willing to get involved in the messiest of affairs. He is willing to enter the dirt and the grime and the messiness of life. He has gone as low as low can be, and he's done it because of his love for sinners. People that have rebelled against God, people that have turned their backs on God, have defied him, have maligned him, have slandered him, have said that, That he is not truly good. He is not truly kind. He is not truly generous. And yet he has provided grace upon grace upon grace. Let us praise God that Christ has come.
2: Our second scripture reading is going to be from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. The Word of God says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold
3: How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Do you stand and join your voices with us? Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn.
0: as it had been told to them.
5: a seat. And since this looks so cool the first time, I just wanted to say good afternoon. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm Josh Albright. I'm a member here at Grace City, and I'm really excited to be sharing with you guys this afternoon. So I was um, asked to talk about a son being given, and and the, the first thing that came to mind for me as I thought of that was miracles. So what do you think of when uh, you hear the word miracle? What comes to mind? You may be thinking of a particular event in your life or a moment where everything went right. Some of you may be thinking of that person that was brought into your life at just the right time, or you just may be thinking of a miracle on ice, right? You know, whatever it is. Regardless of what you're thinking, do you feel like we're always using words like miracle in the right way? Or has it become more like the words awesome or amazing or one of the most devastating words in a relationship, fine, right? Has it become words or is it what it's supposed to be? So if it is like that, I want to make sure that during a season where we're celebrating an incredible miracle, that we know exactly what we're talking about. So because of that, I wanted to create a working definition for what a miracle is. So a miracle is something that only God could give. So as we think about that definition of a miracle, how often do the miracles of life become routine to us? Not only the miracles, even things that once amazed us become ordinary, right? Maybe it was the sunrise or the sunset. Maybe it's hearing music, right? That that last song is one of my favorites. Kids, How about that toy you got for Christmas last year? Every one of you remember all the toys? I want to see hands. Do you remember all the toys you got for Christmas last year? If we have some that do, parents, please quiz them afterwards, okay? All those things become ordinary to us. So thinking about miracles or those type of things becoming routine brought this question to mind. Is the story of Jesus' birth becoming ordinary to me? Do I truly understand how miraculous it is that we gather here tonight, two churches together, to celebrate God sending His Son? So as I was preparing to speak to you today, this was the thought that God put on my mind as I sought deeper understanding of Him. And as I dove deeper into Scripture, it continued to amaze me more and more. So um, we'll be looking at two verses coming from Paul's letter to the Galatians. And that'll be verses four and five. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So in this single sentence, there are three miracles that I have the pleasure of sharing with you tonight. The first miracle here is that God keeps his promises. His promises. And we can see this in the first part of verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come. Now when you look at this verse or these two verses together, it could be very easy to overlook this part without recognizing the anticipation that was behind this child being born. This moment was one that God's people had been waiting for and pointed towards since God promised Adam and Eve that he would bring one of their descendants to crush the serpent's head. And it was pointed to in the, with the prophets as we heard earlier in the scripture from Isaiah. All the prophets were pointing towards this as well. So between all these wonderful words that we're hearing of God's promises and the prophets, who wouldn't anticipate those words coming to fruition? Right? Now, kids, I see there's a lot of you here, which is awesome. What fruitful churches we have. How cool is that? Now, kids, for this, I want to help you guys maybe understand that a little bit better. So... Think of it this way. You have a present that's waiting for you right by the tree, okay? And then imagine that that present is taller than me and so big you can't even wrap your arms around it. Can you imagine that? Okay. Now imagine that that present is in the kind of a shape where you can actually tell what it is before you even unwrap it. How excited would you be to open that present? Would we be excited? Riley, would you be excited? Yeah? Okay. Now, the catch is, you don't get to open that present today or tomorrow for Christmas. In fact, you don't know when you're going to open that present. It gets to sit under the tree at, until some point in the very distant future. Now, kids, how often would you ask mom and dad, when do we get to open that present? It would happen a lot, right? I can, every day? Yeah, I, I would too, right? And I can only imagine how much anticipation there were for God's people waiting on this perfect and wonderful gift that was coming. And, and we see this actually through all 39 books of the Old Testament. They're all pointing to this moment when the fullness of time had come as the beginning of the culmination of God's plan to redeem sinners. We as a church here at Grace City have had the privilege of seeing this through the faithful preaching of Pastor Jeremy and others through books like Ruth, Nehemiah, and Zechariah and seeing God's words continuing to come to fruition. So that's the first miracle, that God keeps his promises. Now the second miracle, I hope you're ready for this one because it is a big one. It's kind of the reason we're all here. God sent forth his son, right? Right? God sent his one and only son to this earth to save us from our sins. And this is why we celebrate. And that celebration has looked different for me throughout the years. You know, as a kid growing up and spending time in church, Christmas used to be a time that I simply enjoyed time with family and celebrated, which was wonderful. But it was when I became a father for the first time that God sending his son took on a totally different meaning. As a father, it's tough for me to comprehend what it would look like to send my son somewhere knowing exactly what was in store for him, much less what Jesus had to go through. The love that I have for my children would cause me to give my life so they wouldn't have to give theirs. And that isn't even close to the perfect, pure, and eternal love that God has for us. Right? And yet, there is no greater display of that love in that he sent his one and only son for us. How much does he then love us? It's amazing. And because everything brings song to my mind, because if you can't tell, I like to sing, Um, it brings these lyrics to mind. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. What an amazing miracle that love is. Now, Jesus' birth was only the beginning of God showing his love, it resulted in the redemption of sinners like me. And that's our third miracle God saves sinners. And that's found in that verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life, he was able to atone for our sins on the cross. This allowed us to be redeemed in spite of the fact that we consistently fail to keep God's law. You have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because of this wonderful miracle. Jesus humbled himself and he carried his cross to die for you and for me. If this is the first time you're hearing this, or, or maybe it feels like the first time because the Holy Spirit is stirring inside of you, please come talk to myself, one of the elders, one of the pastors after this tonight. We would love to share with you about our Savior. And for those of you that can call yourself a son or daughter, redeemed by grace alone, Through faith alone and in Jesus Christ alone, let us never forget the miracle of our salvation. What an amazing love we have from God. What an amazing Savior we have. And I hope that even these words that we've heard so many times before, that, that they never become less miraculous to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let us never lose our amazement over this beautiful truth. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we have a Savior. Lord, without you, we'd be nothing. We'd be sinners, fallen short, destined for hell. So I thank you, Lord, that you brought a Savior into our lives so that we can be redeemed through faith and we can become called sons and daughters. Amen. Amen.
6: Will you stand and sing with us, please? No, th- Amen. Well, I want to also thank you for joining us, Harvest Plains. Thank you for being with us today. What an encouragement uh, to think about the the Christians across the entire globe gathering because of this message, this good news that the Savior has come. And so as we join together, uh, we're going to do something that we do fairly often at Grace City Church, a response of reading. And so whether that's a tradition for you guys or not, feel free to just join in full-hearted with us on the bold and all-caps letters. So I'll read some, and then you join us on those letters. So, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He scatters the proud, He topples the mighty from their thrones. He exalts the lowly. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has proven redemption for his people. We have been rescued from the hand of our enemy to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. In merciful compassion, God came to dwell among us. Light has dawned on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death. His Spirit has come to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray together. Father, you have uh, called us out of that darkness into your marvelous light through your Son who came as a humble child to live a perfect life, to die the death that we deserved And the the joy of knowing that this was planned ahead of time, the joy of knowing that you executed on your promises, that you fulfilled every word at just the right time, should give us great joy in knowing that you will be faithful to us. Not faithful to everything that we want in our uh, evil hearts that turn this way and that, but faithful to every promise that you've made to us. The gift that you've given in your Son is greater than any gift we will give and any gift we will receive over these next coming days. Help us to celebrate well with our families, to be pointed again and again to this good news and to point one another to this good news, to celebrate the gifts that you give far more than the the worldly gifts that we might share with one another. Help us to love one another in the ways that you've loved us. Amen. Amen. Well, join us on this final song together, and then go out and celebrate with one another. We love you.
4: Oh, come oh. Thank you.